0: Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Now, today, I, I, want, I want to preach to you about our fourth practice, and I'm excited to share on it today. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. This is what the apostle Paul writes: Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. He says, "Therefore." We do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed. Here's our collection title, Day by Day. Everyone say day by day. (laughs) For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Verse 18, this is good. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What a a good word. We are being renewed day by day. That's our collection title. Today, I wanna take the fourth part of this collection. I wanna preach a message to you simply titled, Three Ways to Meditate. Three Ways to Meditate, because our fourth practice that we're gonna lean into today is the practice of meditation. But I really believe that everybody you know operates in faith. I really do. Like, whether people know it or not, I think everybody operates in a measure of faith. Faith, by definition, is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we cannot see. And the reason why I say I think everybody operates in faith is because everybody has a thought on tomorrow. <laughs> Everybody has an assumption of what tomorrow is going to be like, to some degree. They, they have this thought of what's going to happen tomorrow. I love what the great um, you know, car manufacturer, Henry Ford, he one time, he said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Everyone say, you're right. <laughs> See, whether you think tomorrow is going to get better or worse, you're Right? Because faith is beginning to believe something about the unseen, something that hasn't happened yet. And everybody has some sort of a thought on tomorrow. And because you have some sort of a thought on tomorrow, you are operating in some level of faith. The question is, how are you using your faith? Because you're right. If you keep telling yourself this year is never gonna get better, you're right, baby. (laughs) If you keep telling yourself you're never gonna find a job, you're right. If you keep telling yourself you're never gonna get married, you're right, I'm coming for single people today. (laughs) You're, You're right. Because thinking is powerful and thinking is the first step into faith, why? Because thinking ultimately becomes feelings. Feelings, well, they begin to shape our words. Words so often create our actions. And actions determine our habits. Everyone say that word, habits. Habits. See, what you do daily determines who you become permanently. And another word for spiritual practices would be spiritual habits. I think so many people in 2020, I know I felt it. Just tell me what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, we've been saying for the last four weeks, I'll tell you what you do when you don't know what to do. You do your habits. Your habits are simply behavior patterns that you almost do involuntary, meaning you're not even thinking about it. They just come out of you. And when we're in difficult times and when we're in pressure moments, when we're struggling, we're ultimately going to fall back on our habits, our practices. So if you don't define your practices, your practices will define you. But all of your habits, they start in this little place called thought processes, That's why Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse seven, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, you are what you think. If you don't like who you are, you gotta change the way you think about yourself. This is a good moment starting today to start thinking about what you're thinking about. See, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you actually believe in the power to change. Someone say, Change out there. Friend, you have the power in Jesus to change today. Come on, who you are today doesn't have to be who you are tomorrow. You can change. Oh, I, I just want to sit there for a second because I can change. You can change. We, we can all change. We can become something different in Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. I mean, that's what it is that I was dead in my sin, I met Jesus, and I changed. And if you're ever gonna thrive as a believer, you're going to have to get power over your thoughts. You're gonna have to get power over the way that you're thinking. We must learn the practice of meditation. My habits, my actions, they come all the way from this starting point called what I'm thinking about. So have you thought about what you're thinking about? Because what you're thinking about is ultimately going to begin to create feelings in your life. And what you feel is ultimately going to be what you say. And what you say is going to be what you do. And what you do is who you're going to become. And so many of us right now, we don't go all the way back to the root. And the practice of meditation is absolutely pivotal that we begin to put into our life, not out of legalism, but out of love for Jesus. Jesus. I don't wanna just profess my faith, Jesus. I wanna practice my faith. I don't know what to do in 2020. Therefore, I need to do my habits. And one of my habits is the practice of meditation. Now, meditation is an interesting word that gets very, very confusing in the church. It's all throughout the scripture. I'm gonna show you here in a moment, but it's not talked about or even taught that much in church. In fact, when I was growing up, nobody really ever taught me how to meditate. No one ever spoke to me much about meditation. But as you get into God's word, you find it over and over and over again. And really what I believe is that you and I, we were created to think deeply, that God gave us a capacity to stop and to ponder and to get into silence with him and a solitude with him and hear his voice from heaven and then obey his words. Listen to me, God doesn't just want you to hear his voice. He wants you to reflect on what he has said. Meditation, there's so many different types of definitions. I, I love what Don Whitney, he defines it. He's a theologian. He says deep, meditation is deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture for the purpose of understanding application and prayer. That's that's a mouthful, but that's what he defines meditation as. Thomas Kemper, one of the early church fathers, he says this, really simple. He says, meditation is a familiar friendship with Jesus. Just a familiar friendship with Jesus. I think if I was gonna define meditation for you and try to contextualize it for you today as you step into it in 2020, meditation is the ability to mind your mind. Just to mind your mind. That I have the ability to get quiet. I have the ability to find a, a small, silent place. And there I can hear God's voice, but I don't just have to hear him. I now have the ability to obey him. Mind your mind. It's amazing. Because many times in church, as we do talk about this word change or this word transformation, there's a little bit more of a Christian word that we're, we're all about, year of transformation. But where does transformation come from? Does it come from going to church a lot? Does it come from um, serving at church? Does transformation come from giving an offering? Does transformation come from going to the growth track? By the way, go to the growth track. Does transformation, these things are all great, but, but the Bible is really, really clear that transformation is a result of a renewed mind. This is what the apostle Paul says, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures here. I want you to write these down because I want you to think about these this week. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everyone here say transformed, Transformed. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renewing is the same word as restoring. And what it means is is to replenish, to bring it back to its original state. Be transformed by renewing or replenishing or bringing your mind back to the original state. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is amazing. Everybody wants to know what God's will is for their life. And the apostle Paul says, I'll tell you how you can discover God's will for your life. You must first go and renew your mind, replenish it, restore it back to its original state. Well, what is the original state for believers in Jesus? That means that you and I are supposed to be rooted, grounded in the person of Jesus, that my entire mind is disciplined to the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus simply being that I didn't do anything to get this good news. I received it. See, we don't see the world as we are, as followers of Jesus, we're to see the world as Jesus is that he is our atoning sacrifice, that he paid the price once and for all. And I must put every one of my thought patterns through the person of Jesus, through the finished work of the cross. And as I view the world through Jesus, now I start to see things clearly. Now I begin to discover my calling. Now, Now I discover, oh, wow, even in that pointless job, I can still have a purpose. Even when I'm struggling, I don't have to back down. I don't have to break. I can continue to move forward. But it all starts with your mind. It's, it's amazing. Like Oliver, I have been studying this past summer. I read a great book by Richard Foster. We've been recommending it throughout this collection. So much of our content has been coming from that book, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, talking about spiritual practices. Remember, spiritual practices are all about growing. It just gets me on the path for where the change can happen. But would you believe all throughout the scripture, the practice of meditation is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We just don't talk about it much. I mean, go back to Genesis. <laughs> this is great. Right before Isaac, meets his wife, Rebecca, look what the scripture says. Genesis chapter 24, verse 63. He, Isaac, went out to the field one evening to, what's the word? What's the word? To meditate. (laughs) To meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. All you single people out there, uh, maybe your spouse will come if you'll take a little bit of time in the day to meditate. (laughs) Joshua chapter one, verse eight, God speaks to Joshua, this young leader. Anybody out there in the Zoom today, you're stepping into a place of leadership. Any, any entrepreneurs watching today? Anybody having to pivot in their business? Anybody having to get a new thought about how you were making money in 2019 is not how you're gonna make money in 2020? Anybody out there struggling to try to figure out how in the world am I gonna thrive when the thing that I used to be doing is no longer relevant in a pandemic? You gotta meditate. You gotta take a moment. You gotta harness your thoughts. You gotta go to God in prayer. You need him to renew you through the person of Jesus. God says to Joshua, this young leader, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate. What's the word? Meditate Meditate on it day and night. Mind your mind so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you'll be prosperous and successful. Watch David. Psalm 63, verse six. You can find him. David is always meditating, always thinking about God's word. Psalm 63, six. On my bed, I remember you. Think, I think of you through the watches of the night. Look at this, Psalm 119, verse 148. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. When was the last time that you just took some time just to meditate on what God has promised you? You know, Jesus, he lived a life of solitude. He lived a life where he would cut himself off From the crowd to go and receive from his heavenly father. The pattern of Jesus was constantly this. He would retreat from ministry to return to ministry. There's a whole lot of people that have never returned to ministry because they haven't created a pattern in their life to retreat from ministry. And so, so many believers and leaders keep getting burned out. It's because they've never practiced the spiritual habit of meditation, of silence, of solitude, of growing in God. I could show you multiple accounts throughout the New Testament, but here's one. It says, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew. Someone say withdrew. withdrew. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Listen to me, over and over again, meditation is about finding yourself in a place of silence, of stopping with the flow for a moment to hear from God, and to think deeply about the gospel and the good news and then obey that I might walk in transformation. I think the question we're asking ourselves for a moment here today is, what's stopping you and I from practicing the faith habit of meditation? Uh, What's stopping us? What what, what is the thing that's, that's preventing us from getting silent? What's the thing that's preventing us from going into a moment of solitude? You know, psychiatrist Carl Jung once said, Hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. I like that. Uh, Hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Meaning, in this world that we live in right now, I firmly believe this if the devil can keep you busy in the flesh, he can keep you lazy in the spirit. A lot of us, we just stay busy, and the result is we're lazy. We're so busy in this world that we become lazy in the kingdom. Busy making money, but lazy storing up treasure in heaven. Some of us right now, you're busy making a name for yourself, but you're pretty lazy in making much of the name of Jesus. Some of us, we're really busy in trying to find a spouse, but we're pretty lazy in getting to know our Savior. Some of us, we're, we're busy working hard at our job, but we're very lazy in serving the kingdom of God. Busy chasing a career, lazy in obeying their calling. It's just, if, if the devil can keep me, if he can keep me busy in the flesh, I'm going to be lazy in the spirit. Because hurry's not up the devil. Hurry is the devil. I just... I just keep going. And there's a lot of things we can talk about our culture today. And I think it's important that we examine our culture because you and I, were trying to follow Jesus in 2020. We're trying to follow Jesus in this world that looks very different from the world that Jesus was in when he taught these things to us but I believe these practices are all throughout the scriptures. The Bible doesn't tell us how to do these things. It's up to you and I to create new contextual ways of how we apply the practices to a 2020 context. But you and I, we better know what it is that's stopping us. We better know the thing that's preventing us. There's a lot of things we could talk about in America right now, but there's two things that I know that we are addicted and we are busy with. And that is in America, we are addicted to bigger and faster. And let me just tell you, When you're addicted to bigger and faster, it prevents you from getting quiet with your savior. And it prevents you from minding your mind. I don't know what it is, but in America, we just, we love bigger. Bigger car, bigger house, bigger bank account, bigger career, bigger platform, bigger voice, bigger, bigger influence. We just want bigger, bigger. You ever just notice, like everyone, like what do you want to be? I just want to be bigger. (laughs) I just want to be more. Like so many people, even Christians today, their whole goal is simply to be bigger. And what we've bought into even in our churches and even in the faith world is we have bought into this lie that bigger is always better. And what we have done is we have reduced ourselves (laughs) to the lowest common eternal denominator, which is that which we can see is what we measure our life on. And it's amazing because so often the reason why we believe this lie bigger is better is because it's rooted in contaminated thinking. It's rooted in thinking about comparison. It's rooted in thinking of insecurity. It's rooted in thinking solely about of jealousy. Instead of being rooted in contentment, instead of thinking out of calling, we get rooted in these other things. And we believe this lie. If it's bigger, if it's bigger, then it's better is this ever happening before? I don't know. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, one of my best friends, uh, from high school, and he's still one of my dearest friends in the world. He has done very well for himself in life. And he's maybe two years older than me. And he's my dearest friend. I love him so much, but he's been very successful financially and he's had a very good career. And I remember it was like his third house that he had now moved into. And, um, he's like, hey, come over and see the house. And I'm like, this is your third house. I don't even have a house. And, um, I remember I walked in the house and he was showing me around. He was so proud of the house and it was beautiful and there's nothing wrong with having a beautiful house. There's nothing wrong with having beautiful possessions as long as those things don't have you. You you feel me? And he's just showing me the house but I remember sitting there, one of my dearest friends, somebody that I'm called to lead spiritually and as I was walking through the house, this guy who's just maybe a year or two older than me, I had this thought go through my mind and the thought was one of jealousy. How come he has a house like this but I don't? Now, how many know that the way that that's going to change is when I actually have transformation in the mind. The reason why I was feeling that way was because I was thinking the wrong way. My thinking was rooted in comparison. My thinking was rooted in jealousy. And my thinking was I took my eyes off of what God had given me. And I put my eyes on what God had given him and what God had given him in the natural seems so much bigger than what God had given me in my scenario. See, a lot of you, you were happy with your life until you started comparing it to someone else's. And we buy into this lie that bigger is better. But how many of you know that the reason why so many of you right now in 2020, as you're listening to me preach, the reason why 2020 is crushing you is because you have too much to carry. And we keep saying bigger is better, but what we fail to realize is that every time it gets bigger, it's just more to carry. And listen to me, if it keeps getting bigger on the outside, but you don't grow bigger on the inside, that thing you're trying to carry is going to crush you. Before God makes it bigger on the outside, I'm saying, God, would you make it bigger on the inside for me? Give me bigger character. Give me me a bigger spirit. Give me a bigger heart. Give me bigger patience. (laughs) That's a word for somebody in 2020. You need bigger patience. You need bigger patients. This idea that bigger is better, it's, it's stopping you. It's preventing you. It's keeping you on this rat race. It's keeping you comparing your life to everybody else's. But we don't just want bigger in America. We want faster. Oh my goodness, faster. Faster is always better. Faster internet. I need faster fast food. This food at this fast food restaurant is taking too long. I need faster service. I need a faster promotion. I need faster fame. I need faster influence. Man, I've been doing this Instagram account for a year. Doesn't everybody see all this great content I'm putting out? How come people aren't looking to me? It's because you have bought into a lie that you think everything should be faster. I need a faster dream. Listen to me, things that grow grow fast tend not to last. They just, they don't last. And this idea of speed that we are addicted to is burning so many of us out. We're losing it. We're, we're, We're crashing and we're burning. I was with my son this past week on a lake. I was in Alabama preaching at motion conference. We went a few days early with my family and we got to spend some time on an Alabama lake. Very different living in Alabama than it is in Miami. But nonetheless, we took advantage of the few days as a family and I was on this boat with my son Wyatt and I said, Wyatt, I want, you wanna you want learn how to drive? He said, yeah, dad, I wanna drive, I wanna drive. And so he got up on my lap. I said, all right, I'm gonna teach you how to drive. And so I said, put your hands right here on the steering wheel, son. And as soon as I said, put your hands on the steering wheel, he hadn't even got his hands on the steering wheel yet. He said, dad, faster, faster. I thought to myself, that is the cry of the millennial generation in 2020 you don't even have your hands on the steering wheel yet and you're wanting to go faster. (laughs) Friend, you got to learn how to steer before you can increase the speed. I don't know what it is, but like fast turns tend to crash and burn. So many of us. 2020, just jerking and jer- just shifting this to that and quitting this and starting that and quitting this and starting that. It's just irky, jerky. And listen to me, you've got to set your direction before you increase the speed. And meditation is a moment that you stop daily, not just on Sunday, but you set your intention. You define your direction. Therefore, as life speeds up, you're headed the right way. Stop and steer; otherwise, otherwise you will turn fast and you will crash and burn. I love our opening text today. Paul, he is um, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and in Second Corinthians, as he's writing, once again, Paul. It seems like most of the time that he's writing churches, it's because they're facing opposition, they're facing problems, they're facing suffering, they're facing challenges. And the apostle Paul, he, he wants to encourage this church, a church like Vu. He wants to encourage Vu to stay the course, to not give up. And, and notice what he does. I mean, they're facing persecution. They're facing pressure. It's not an easy time to lead. It's not an easy time to be the church. What I love about Paul, by the way, is that Paul, um, it's, it's really, really fitting for right now because Paul most of the time would go and start a church. He'd spend maybe about a year there and then he would leave somebody in leadership and he would go on and start another church. And and many times they only saw Paul once in their season of life, yet they were still able to receive from his leadership, even from a distance. I don't know if that's a word for some people that go to Voo Church. I know I haven't seen you in months, but just because I haven't seen you in months doesn't mean that God hasn't given me authority and an anointing to lead and to pastor you right now. We might not be together physically, but yo, Keep up your faith, keep practicing your faith, keep praying, keep studying, keep submitting, keep leaning in. Don't let this season make you drift. Let this season draw you in close. But what does Paul say? He's such a good pastor. He's encouraging everybody. Everybody wants to give up. People are wanting to quit. People are tired. It's like, it's not fun in Corinth at this time. And Paul says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly. Look at that. Not on the outside. I'm not, he's, not, he's not talking about bigger and faster. I'm not big on the outside. I'm getting big on the inside. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed. There's that same word from Romans 12 renewed, restored, replenished. We're being replenished. What's the word right here? Day by day. Not just a Sunday thing, not just a weekend high, but a daily habit. <laughs> Well, how is he getting renewed day by day? It's the same way he talks to the church in Rome. He's getting renewed by minding his mind, by getting control of his thoughts, by making sure that his thoughts are not in control of him, but rather he is in control of his mind. Watch this. For our light and momentary troubles, I wanna say to somebody who's watching right now that 2020 is a light and momentary trouble. I wanna say to somebody right now that just lost your business, I am sorry, I am praying with you, I am standing with you, but please hear it from me. It is a light and momentary trouble. I wanna speak to somebody who lost a family member this week, who died. I wanna encourage you right now, that pain is real, that sting hurts, but it is a light and momentary trouble. It's light, it's momentary trouble. Why? because our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Watch verse 18. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Now, when he talks about this, how many know that your physical eyes can't see an unseen tomorrow? Your physical eyes can't see the future. So he's not talking about senses. He's talking about supernatural faith. How do you see the unseen? You actually have to close your physical eyes and you have to open your spiritual eyes. How do you open your spiritual eyes? You open your spiritual eyes through your mind, Through thinking, through meditation, you mind your mind. You remind yourself, yes, there is suffering. Yes, there is trouble. Yes, there is division. Yes, there is opposition. Yes, there is heartache. Oh, but baby, I am reminded of who I am in Jesus. And because of it, I'm getting strong on the inside. It's the practice of meditation. It's funny because we're shouting about meditation, but when you begin to implement this in your life, what you find is you find yourself echoing the apostle Paul that yes, all of this stuff is happening around me, but I am telling you that I am being renewed day by day. It's the practice of meditation. Mind your mind. You see, truly when you discover God's word, what you find out is that faith is not about bigger, faster is a word. Faith is about smaller, slower. <laughs> it's, it's completely counterculture, everything about this book to our world. I'm not against things going fast. I'm not against things growing big. I just am a person of faith. And I practice my faith. I don't just profess my faith. I practice my faith. One of the ways I practice my faith is by getting quiet, still, silent before my God and minding my mind and be renewed day by day so that I can hear the still, small voice of God. Faith is not about bigger, faster. Faith is about small, slow, smaller, slower. Like you gotta know this, that everything that starts out in faith never starts big. It always starts in a seed format. So important that we see this today, that when God speaks to you, it always starts out in a seed format. This is how God always works. Every dream in your life is gonna start in a seed format. Just think about it. Like you don't start with a wedding, you start with a date. (laughs) You don't start with a teenager, you start with a baby. (laughs) You don't start with a big church. You start with a small group of people that go to an apartment that say, you know what? I think God could use us. I think if we would steward this moment, if we lean into each other, God could do something big amongst us. That's how a great church gets started. It starts small, brick by brick, day by day, moment by moment. But these are Jesus's words, not mine. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. See, faith is not about strength. It's not about the strength of your faith. According to Jesus, it's about the object of your faith. Faith this big, a mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds on the planet, but that small thing can do a big thing. You don't think meditation is going to produce much. It's because meditation is a seed format. It's a daily habit. It's stopping. It's getting quiet. It's being in silence. It's in that silent place that I can hear that whisper from heaven. But it's that little mustard seed that's going to produce something big. It's a mustard seed that moves a mountain. Because it's not the strength of the faith. It's the object of the faith. Meaning, it's never been about the size of your faith. It's always been about the size of your God. What is your faith attached to? The object of my faith is Jesus. So think about it. Think about a big, I don't know if you've ever been on a boat before, but once again, I was on boats this week and typically all of my illustrations, God just speaks to me as I'm, you know, intertubing on a lake. But the boat we were on, it was, a big little, it was a big ski boat. But you know what? It had this little tiny anchor. And this anchor is so small in comparison to the boat. But how many know this small anchor, you drop it down and it's not about the strength of the anchor, It's about what the anchor is attached to. The anchor attaches to the rock at the bottom of the lake and then the rock at the bottom of the lake attaches to this small thing called the anchor and then the anchor stabilizes the boat even in the midst of a storm. Can I encourage you today? It has never been about how sexy your faith is, how appealing your faith is, how strong your faith is. It's always been about your faith, that small thing being attached to the rock of all ages. His name is Jesus Christ, that when you get attached to him, it doesn't matter how bad of a pandemic, it doesn't matter how bad the storm, your boat will come through on the other side. It's small. It's small, it's opposite than bigger than faster. It's that I'm a person who spends time with God in quiet. And I recognize that God does things in seed format. It's small, but it's not just small, it's slow. This is a word for someone in 2020. I want this to be a word for you. It, faith is slow. When you grow, it feels slow. Put that in the chat. Come on YouTube, help me out. When you grow, it always feels slow. I didn't wake up today going, Poo! I grew overnight. You, know, you see growth over time, not overnight. It's over time. And as you study the men and women of the Bible, like this is who you and I are. Like sometimes we like, we compartmentalize the life. We look at the lives of David or Elijah, these Old Testament great men, or even these men in the New Testament, these disciples. And we think we're so different from them, but they were just ordinary men, according to James, just like you and I. And look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. It comes straight out of what we know as the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, as it records stories of men and women who had a promise from God, who believed every single day that God was gonna do something in their life. Although when they died, they had not yet received that promise. What does it tell us? It tells us that faith is not about the promise. Faith is about the promise giver. That we don't live for the temporary, we live for the eternal. We live for the other side. That you might not think that I've gotten what God has promised me, but every day that I stay rooted and every day that I am renewed to the person of Jesus, and as I view this world, not as I am, not as my circumstance is, not as my situation is, I'm not viewing this world with what my bank account says to me. I'm not viewing this world with what the doctor tells me. I'm not viewing this world with whether or not my business is doing good or bad. I'm viewing this world through the person of Jesus, filtered through the cross, the grace of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, I, I find transformation. I find change. I think for a lot of us, we just need some better metaphors when it comes to faith because you thought you got faith and you thought faith was gonna make you bigger and faster. But many times faith, it starts slower and smaller. And many times we give up on faith because we have not produced and created practices in our life that prepare us for God's timeline instead of our timetable. Many of us stop praying because God didn't perform it quick enough. But you know what? I kind of think faith is like the DMV. Anyone ever been to the DMV? <laughs> let me, let me one-up you. Anybody been to the DMV during COVID-19? Your boy right here. That's just, that's just another level. That's just another level. The other day I went to the DMV. I had to get my license renewed. I don't have any identification right now. I don't have a passport. It's been expired. I don't have an ID. It's expired. I'm not driving. Literally, my wife, praise God, in the manny is driving me everywhere <laughs> to and from. And so we finally got an appointment at the DMV. But how many know, when you go to the DMV, you are prepared to wait. You've never walked in the DMV thinking, whoa, this is gonna be easy. Like, no, 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 no. Before the DMV, like you get your small group, you're like, hey, crew, um, I've got to go to the DMV this week. And could you just pray for me? Uh, Last time I lost my salvation. This time I'm believing that God's gonna work in my life. I went to the DMV. It actually was actually a really, really great appointment. The only thing is that when I got there after, you know, meeting with the person and talking to the person, they told me, I'm so sorry, you can't renew your license. Uh, you're gonna have to go get this documentation and come back. So we went and got that documentation and then we went back They said, no, 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 I'm so sorry. You need your expired passport. It's just, uh, we went and got it and went and got it and went and got it. How many of you know that every time they told me I couldn't get it, there, there was a level of disappointment, but I've got to go and get a license. So no matter what happens, I'm going to go back to the DMV. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep going back to that place because that's the only way that I can get a license to drive. I want to encourage you today that if you could change your prayer life around and get a better metaphor, by no means is God the DMV. No, God is so much better than the DMV. But in so many times, what it feels like when I'm praying is that I have to prepare to wait. I have to prepare to come back to that place. The only way I'm gonna find the breakthrough, the only way I'm gonna thrive is as I keep going back to this place. You need to mind your mind. And your habit, which is way over there, starts first in this seed format called your thinking. And faith is not bigger, faster. Faith is smaller, slower, that I have chosen to wait. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's a renewing in waiting. There's a renewing in simply going back time and time again. I'm gonna keep going back to God. Today, I don't know where you're at, what you're going through, but this scripture all throughout it, it tells us that we should practice meditation. It just doesn't tell us how we do that. And so I just thought today, I would just give you three little meditation practices that I I do in my life and you could add to this list, you could find other ways. Once again, these are not done out of legalism. These are simply done out of love. I just wanna help you this week, as you mind your mind, as you get control of your thoughts, three ways to meditate. Write these down, I'm gonna go very, very quickly these. Number one, I call it two-minute meditation. Put that, put that in the chat, two-minute meditation. Two-minute meditation. Two-minute meditation, it's simply throughout the day. I'll do this throughout the day, two or three times in the day, especially when life is boiling, especially when stress is coming on. Stop, close your eyes, breathe. Count your breaths for two minutes, 120 seconds. One, two, three, clear your mind. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit for help. In fact, that's usually as far as I get with it. Help, help, help. You see, many times we use this word meditation and Christians get really scared because they know all about Eastern meditation or they know little bits about Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is all about emptying the mind. Christian meditation is all about filling the mind. So so Eastern meditation is about detachment from the world. But Christian meditation, it's not about detachment, it's about attachment. See, we detach from the confusion all around us in order to have a richer attachment to God. Christian meditation, it leads us into an inner wholeness. It leads us into a place that we can harness our thoughts and we can be reminded that the Holy Spirit is with us. And sometimes it's as simple as counting your breaths and saying, help Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give you a moment today to even practice this, just to apply this. Every time I I do this, I sense God's presence. Every time, never has he failed me. When I stop and I recognize that he is available, I was wearing the apple watch for a while it's funny because the world knows these practices but the church doesn't teach them but there are practices the apple watch lets you know when you should go through a breathing exercise and apple is like yo this will make you feel a whole lot better it's it's true it will make you feel a whole lot better because what you're doing is is that you're controlling your breaths and you're focusing and you're present in the moment what they're missing is, is that if you actually want supernatural relief, you invite the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, to come and fill you in that moment. Everyone say two-minute meditation. Two-minute number, number, number two, write this one down. It's called scripture meditation. I want you to do this this week, scripture meditation. Thomas Watson, the theologian, he says the reason, the reason we come away so cold from reading the word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. God doesn't want me just to hear his word. He wants me to reflect on his word. So last week I was teaching you and I said, you got to read the word. I said, you got to memorize the word. But I left you with that last one. You've got to meditate on the word. What does that mean? I take time to think about the word. All of a sudden the written word becomes a living word addressed to you. This is what scripture meditation is about. It's about allowing the word to be written directly to you, to get into your life, to get into your heart. Let let me give you an example of this. One of my favorite Bible verses, Matthew 11. This is a great verse. This is a word for somebody. Jesus, his words. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Beautiful passage. But notice Jesus, he's, he's speaking broadly. Come to me, all of you, Jamila and Dante and Chris and Oliver and Pilar and Mariana and Don Cherie and Jean and Adrian, you guys all come to me. This is what scripture meditation looks like. I take this living word, but all of a sudden I take this living word and I address it to myself. Rich, come to me. Rich, you're weary. Rich, and you're burdened. But Rich, I'll give you rest. Rich, take take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, Rich, for I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. Rich, you're gonna find rest for your soul. Golly, he's speaking to me. Rich, my my yoke, it's easier than you think. Rich, my burden's light, just come to me. Renew your thoughts. Look at the world, not through yourself, but look at the world through me, Jesus. You watch, your life's going to transform. You watch, you're going to grow. It might not happen overnight, but I'm telling you, it's going to be small, it's going to be slow, but if you'll meditate on this, you're going to receive something from it. Two-minute meditation. Number two, scripture meditation. We're about to sing here. Number three, it's called posture meditation. Posture meditation. Ultimately, when it comes time for meditation, I could give you other tips. I think that you should have a place. I think you should have a time. If you're too busy for God, you're certainly just too busy in life. You've got to set aside time. And I think that you should find yourself in a posture that ultimately is not distracting, that's comfortable, that's easy. But there's something about our body language before God that communicates something. I mean, go throughout the scriptures, man, all throughout God's word. You can see different postures. There's moments in the scripture where it says that they would lie prostrate on the ground and they would pray. When's the last time you just laid down prostrate? When's the last time you just spent time with Jesus? Just speak to me, Holy Spirit. It's a different posture. You receive something different in this posture. Scripture says that there's times when when we're we're called to kneel before God. Mm. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. There's these moments in the scripture where it says that we're, we're to sit with God. We just sit. Prayer doesn't have to happen just at church. You can find yourself in a posture where you just sit. Scripture says at times that we're to stand before God. Just stand. Sometimes we only stand at church. Sometimes you should get in your house and you should just stand. God, here I am. Scripture says that we're to to lift our hands. Isn't that something? Lift our hands before our God. Scriptures will command us in different different portions of Stretch out your arms before God. You know, you don't just stretch out your arms only on Sunday morning. This is the posture of our life. We're communicating something to God. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, he talks about a posture meditation, and I love it. It's been something I've just been doing throughout the day. He calls it palms down, palms up. And on Zoom, I want you to do this with me right now. I can see you on Zoom. Palms down, palms up. Someone put your palms down like this. Get your hands up. Palms down, palms down, palms down, palms down, palms down. Palms down. I see you over there. What's up, Carissa? Good to see you. I see you, Jackie Perez. Palms down. And in this posture, what he says is, is that we are posturing a posture of releasing. And even right now on YouTube, as you're watching right now, get your hands up. Get your hands up. It's called posture meditation. I want you to think in your mind right now. What is it that you're carrying that's crushing you? What is it you're carrying that has become too heavy? I want you to release it right now. Think about it intentionally, ponder about it. God gave you a mind for a reason. He wants you to consider deeply that thing that you've been carrying all week that you're not meant to carry. It's too heavy for you. You can't walk around with that anxiety one more day. You can't carry that stress any longer. Release it, palms down. Someone say, palms down. Release it. But then he says, palms up. Everyone put your palms up. Everyone put your palms up. And this posture, after you've released it, now you receive it. What is it you need to receive from God today? What is it you came to church for today? I know we came to connect with one another, but what do you need to receive from him today? Get specific, visualize it, intentionalize it, set your direction today. John Locke says, what worries you, masters you. Receive today the peace of God. Receive today the supernatural strength of God. Receive today the grace of God. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything God's got, he freely wants to give to you. But sometimes you just gotta get your body in line with your mind. Sometimes you just gotta get your posture in line with your heart. Sometimes you just gotta get in a position to say, God, everything you got, I want. Come on, if you want him, say, here I am. Here I am, God. You can have it all. Get up! 是<音楽> that is not meant for us to carry. We turn our eyes to you, Jesus, the one who says that we can take your yoke upon us, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So Lord, we release the stress. We release the pressure. We release the anxiety. We release, Lord, the bitterness. We release the resentment. We release the hurt. God, we release the offense today, Lord. God, we release those words that someone said to us. We release, Lord, that thinking, God, that's had us trapped, God. God, I release the sickness over my body today. God, you can carry that for me. God, we release it, we release the financial pressure today. We release, Lord, the desire to be perfect today. God, we're not perfect, you're perfect. I release it today, Jesus, with my palms being down. God, Lord, as we put our palms up today, we know that you have something for us. That God, you wanna do something deep inside of us as people, deep inside of us as individuals. But God, not just individually, we sense, God, that you wanna do something deep inside of us corporately and collectively. God, we pray for the people of Voo Church today. God, we pray for our faith community, that I pray that today, God, as our palms are up, Lord, that everything that you have for us, Lord, that we wouldn't leave any of it on the table, but today, God, we receive all that you have. God, that we would declare boldly that we believe the future is bright. We believe that there's more to come for boot Church. God, we're gonna patiently wait upon you. God, we're gonna start in the seed format. God, we're committed to going slow. We're committed to showing back up. We're committed to coming back time and time again. God, we believe you've called us to thrive. We believe you've called us to step into our future. But God, we know it's gonna come on our knees. We know it's gonna come as we practice our faith. Come on, church, let's lift our hands. Come on, give it a posture today that you would give your God praise, come on. Oh Thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes and if you like what you're hearing consider rating it and even sharing it with friends it helps so much for more content from vu and to connect with us go to vuchurch.com we love you the best is yet to come